You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. We've made difficult decisions. And there are still more ahead of us. Two people aren't enough to save the galaxy. We need the toughest. Smartest. Deadliest allies. We need you. We need you to join us. And listen to Reignite. A certain point of view podcast about storytelling. Love. And Mass Effect. Join us every other Thursday as we fight for the fate of an entire galaxy. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Or at certainpov.com slash reignite. We're counting on you. We should go. Welcome back for another issue of Imagine If. This week, we are going to jump onto that spinner rack and see what is new for New Comic Book Day, talk about a little bit of comic book news, break down the newest Shang-Chi trailer in The Legend of the Ten Rings. Sorry. The new Shang-Chi and The Legend of the Ten Rings trailer. And then we are going to get into our 101 for Natasha Romanova or Romanoff or one of the many other names that the character has gone by <laughs> during her time in the MCU or the Marvel comics. Uh, all to kick off our Black Widow month, which we are going to be doing Black Widow stories and Black Widow 101s to celebrate the return of the MCU in the movie theater. Isn't that right, Chris? Yes, because somewhere in the multiverse, there's a version of us that has already watched this film. And in our... Uh, Earth 19, maybe that's what we call it. No, Earth 20. No, Earth 19. There we go. Uh, we sadly were held back. Uh, but yes, it's it's almost here. It's almost here. So we thought it'd be fun to do like some of the public, like the publishers used to do back in the day, character themed months. And what a great way to celebrate with you and ourselves as we gear up for Black Widow. So put on your stingers and let's get ready. All right. So first, as always, we're going to jump into that spinner rack and what is new on new comic book day, Chris. All right, so this Tuesday from DC Comics, we have Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries Extravaganza number one. That's right. If you're tired about what Batman does or doesn't do for Catwoman, you can still keep comic books for kids and let him enjoy some fun adventures with the Scooby-Doo gang. Uh, speaking of Catwoman, Catwoman Annual 2021 number one will be out. So Ram V's new series will be taking it a step further, and we will see some of the mystery that's going on. And if I'm looking at this cover correctly, I think Selina is going to be going up against, I'm not sure if that's the Scarecrow or not, but I know he's going to be having some major uh, ramifications happening going on because they're going to be playing with the idea of so it was called future state. So this time it's going to be called fear state. So there might be something there, but nope, I'm completely wrong. This actually might be an interest to you, Mitch. Uh, she's going to be facing off against father Valley. Any so relation to Mark Paul Valley? Exactly. <laughs> uh, bear witness to father Valley's past with the order of St. Dumas and his unexpected, 
and his unexpected connection with Azrael to learn the method of his madness. Ooh, huh. interesting. Interesting. Yeah, that's pretty wild. So here's a bigger look for you, Mitch, of the character. Um, oh, and I didn't even catch that now that I've got a better focus of the cover. If you look in the background there on the stained glass, it's the uh, Azbats. That's true. There's the Azbats, Azbat suit. Uh, or a person in the suit in that stained glass window. So, yeah, we got we got an interesting uh, new character here. Yeah. So I've I've never I don't know if I've ever actually at least my brain cells remember. But what did you think of the Asbat suit? Like when you first saw it? Because I imagine like did you read Sword of Azrael as it came out, or was it kind of more like? you came into the character afterwards. I definitely came into the character afterwards. Uh, like I remember in the return of Superman when he goes to Gotham and that's the first time I ever saw the Asbat suit because uh, he goes, Superman goes to Gotham and he talks to the Batman and then the, you can see the little thought bubbles of like, I don't think he realizes I'm not Bruce, like kind of thing. Uh, so there was that. And then it was later on when um, I became obsessed i guess <laughs> with the asriel <laughs> character i went and bought myself a a, co- uh, a trade of uh the sword of asriel got to learn more about the character okay so what did you like do you like the asbat design uh, i do i mean it's very 90s it's all power suit and in uh you know tech techno uh organic i don't know how you want to say it but it's all like cyberpunkish kind of and it's it's different it what i would want to keep it that way no absolutely not but like i uh i thought it was it was okay for what it was and it definitely gives it gives it that edgy look uh that they were going <laughs> for uh to, to differentiate him from regular batman yeah i remember um it was funny i i i did not know anything about asriel um, I, I caught on to Nightfall pretty early and they basically, I mean, in the comics, he just looked like a blonde haired Bruce Wayne. I'm like, who is this dude? And then he's taking over as Batman and he's slowly starting to add the technology to the Batman costume. And it was something else. So I, I mean, I love the design. I think it's great looking. Um, I need to put it next to, you know, my other legions of nineties costumes, the armored daredevil and Ben Riley Spider-Man. Uh, I think it's young enough that I could sneak electro soups in there. Um, you know, there is a fondness in my heart for those, and I've always enjoyed it. I think it's a beautiful looking design. It's a great looking action figure when people produce it. Um, but yeah, so I just I was always curious because I will admit, Nightfall did not make me a fan of Azrael. No, I, no. I thought he was a jerk. <laughs> that's what we, the bad fans, were supposed to think, which is so wrong because he is a good character. He's got his moments. He's got. He definitely has his moments, and his book after. Uh, that point, you know, during the agent of the bat, uh, run, that was, uh, I, that's where I fell in love with the character. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Speaking of characters, Mitch loves, uh, it is the 80th anniversary of the goatee green arrow. That's right. 80 years of Ollie. So we are going to be getting a 100 page super spectacular. Uh, we will have character or sorry. We will have cover variants featuring all the decades, so if you know your alphabet, this will be going all the way to the letter, I believe, I. Oh, wow. So we're going to be getting a lot of stuff there. Um, yes, cover I. Uh, so that'll take us to the 2010s. Um, you know, I, I, 
it's awesome. I think it's great that, you know, he's, I'm really glad, I guess, uh, let me, let me phrase it this way. Let me get my thoughts in order. I'm glad that green arrows, golden age is being recognized again. Um, there was a little hint a couple weeks, or not a little hint, a very big hint. Uh, Jeff Johns fixed Ollie in a way. Um, so over in the Stargirl uh, Spring Break Spectacular, they addressed the fact because everybody wants the Seven Soldiers of Victory to start being a thing again. And Green Arrow and Speedy were part of that. But Green Arrow and Speedy are basically more recognized as Silver Agent Up characters. So you can't really have them be in their golden age. Now the costumes did survive, you know, the very, uh, the classic Robin hood with red gloves. It did survive. But so anyways, Jeff Johns just made it simple. He's like, Oh yeah, there was a time where Ollie got time swept back into the golden age. So that's how he's able to be the silver age character who went back in time and then got blown forward on the great adventure of the seven soldiers of victory. So of course, and, you know, now he's all over the place. Um, so yeah, so, um, let's see here. We've got quite a few variants. Um, I remember if I remember correctly, I think you said you liked the, was it the nineties variant cover? The one that has Connor in the lead there. I do like that one. Yeah. So that one's a great one. Um, let's see here. That is Howard Porter art. So he's very influential on us. Uh, he was the main artist of Grant Morrison's JLA. Yep. Um, and again, right there, and I think what I love about that cover too as well is the fact that even though Green Arrow is a thing, he's now starting to be more of a family because, you know, Dinah's back and she's going to start growing her own legacy and uh, the Birds of Prey is going to start happening. Uh, Roy has now become Arsenal and he's doing his things with the Titans, and then eventually he's going to lead up to the Outsiders. And then we have the son of Green Arrow, Connor Hawk, which was quite a major revelation uh, in things to come. So any thoughts on those characters? I mean, this is uh, the fact that you bring up Howard Porter and then J- Grant Morrison's JLA, that's where I found uh, my love for the Green Arrow. Like that, uh, Connor Hawk was my introduction. Uh, on that team because he he was on the team as as Green Arrow or at least an honorary member. Uh, then going in picking up Green Arrow comics from that point was following around Connor Hawk as he tried to live up to his father's legacy and you know uh, live in the shadow of I guess. Uh, but then eventually we get to Kevin Smith's resurrection of Oliver Queen and it made me love Oliver Queen too. So uh, very much in, in enjoying that cover right there. Yeah, and what's kind of what's neat following your your quick history there. So then the next cover would be the 2000s cover, uh, and this is by Jen Bartel. But Jen Bartel does such a great job of channeling Phil Hester's art. Yes, uh, because Phil Hester and Kevin Smith, you know, like I, I think I think that's how DC managed to get. Uh, kevin smith to come over they're like hey do you want to bring green arrow back and he's like sure i'll do some wicked crazy stuff thank god he finished the arc which was awesome (laughs) um but yeah uh, kevin and phil hester they came aboard and you know that sure enough they brought back the classic ollie queen i remember picking that series up and uh, i thought it was great to have him back um you know hal jordan specter made some appearances there so that made me even more happy (laughs) yeah yeah God, what a, what a time to be alive. Uh, then even the uh, the 2010s variant uh, has a nice design to it. Because I, I really got to say, 
the new 52 Green Arrow costume, I like it. I, I There's elements there that uh, break it up. I think they're pretty neat. We do get his sister. Is it Kimoko? Kimiko? Is that her name? Or Kimiko? Kimiko, okay. yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we get his because that's his uh, that is his sister, right? Uh, yes. Same father, same mother. Same How does that work? Father, same father. Because okay. her mother is Lady Shiva. Oh, interesting I twist. Believe, yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, so that's a that's that's the new dynamic, and that that was one of those things that's kind of a bummer about the. Um, Wait, is that right? Uh, am I am I thinking of of uh, Kate not Kate Kane, um, Cassandra Kane, which. Was her father, her mother also Lady Shiva? I thought her dad was the big bad. Like her dad wasn't was, her dad was something Kane, the 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 master of the assassins or something like that. Yeah, but I thought that they both like his her mother was also um uh League of the League of Shadows. Huh? Maybe. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go maybe look it will. up. You keep talking. All right, I'll 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 create some filler. <laughs> but yeah, but no, but the new Fifty Two era was kind of a. It was great, but it was sad because I felt like we lost a lot. And like we were mentioning in the '90s cover, there was a lot of growth in the Green Green Arrow legacy and family. And unfortunately, Connor Hawk was one of the casualties of that era. Uh, but Black Canary and Ollie managed to still grow. Anyways, there's a lot of beautiful covers. Um, there's some stuff that goes back. We have the 1980s cover that takes us back to Mike Grell style for the Longbow Hunters. Uh, we have in the 1970s cover uh, Derek Chu uh, giving us a very 70s looking uh, Ollie and Dinah. Uh, then we have the 1960s cover by Neil Adams. Uh, so he's bringing us back to the hard traveling heroes. Uh, this one is interesting. Uh, the 1950s cover where we have a giant Ollie scaling a building a la King Kong style. So that's right. Everybody was not a great time. Or everybody got some 1950s in them where it was just, what the hell is going on? So, yeah, even Ollie couldn't escape the weird, wild adventures. Um, I do like the Mike Cho cover. Uh, the 1940s, very clean, and I love the fact that he is doing a showcase of all the trick arrows. Uh, that's always fun because I think it was somewhere, maybe it was JLA Incarnations or JLA or one or something. And I love the fact that they're talking with Ollie, and he's like, "Yeah, I've got a nuclear arrow," and everybody's like, "You have a nuclear bomb sitting in your quiver on your back? What the heck's wrong with you?" So I thought that was pretty fun. Uh, but it is great to see all these artists come out and celebrate the legacy of Green Arrow. Uh, Dan Mora will get the classic cover, the main one. And that one to me is my favorite, though, because we have everybody. We see Roy, uh, uh, Connor, Mia, Ina, uh, Mikio. God, I already forgot the name. His sister. And then Ollie himself. Emiko. So, uh, wait, one more time. Kemiko or me? Emiko. Emiko, okay. Emiko, so yeah, so we get the whole family there. Um, I think, yeah, I don't think anybody's missing, so that's really awesome. So I'm glad to see that everything is growing. I just hope that the gift Tom Taylor gave of renaming the Arrow Cave the Quiver, I hope that sticks around. So that would be fantastic. <laughs> uh, let's see. Moving along a little bit, though. Uh, Infinite Frontier Secret Files number one will be out this week. So last week, Infinite Frontier number one is out. So 
if you want to get on the next big thing, Infinite Frontier is the next big thing as far as the DC Universe is concerned. Uh, there is a major revelation about Roy Harper, a.k.a. Speedy, in that issue as well. So definitely check it out. Uh, I'm excited about Infinite Frontier. I am very curious to see what it's going to do. I think uh, for those of us that are Dark Side fans, I think this is going to be an epic in his belt to help notch him up as a bad guy again. Okay. Um, so okay, what you got? So I was wrong. Uh, Lady Shiva is Cassandra Kane's mother. Shadow is Emiko's mother. So the other assassin lady from <laughs> from the League of Shadows. If I believe, if I remember correctly, I believe she was part of the League of Shadows. Right? Am I just completely wrong about? shadow all the game. i have no clue who shadow is so whatever you got is working for me okay fair <laughs> enough uh let's see black mountain ninth circle outsiders and formerly team arrow so nope no league of shadows either i'm just completely wrong on my uh shadow character altogether but uh she has been a big part of uh uh green arrow comics since 2013 uh volume five at, no, issue number 22 Okay, so yeah, that's definitely some uh, New 52, and I think my only experience with Ollie in New 52 was just when he came over to JLA for a bit, so a lot of, a lot of learning there for me as well. <laughs> uh, well, let's see here. Okay, so moving along, Teen Titans Academy Yearbook 2021. So this is kind of fun. I think this will be kind of a play on the uh, idea of the secret files and origins books, so we get to take a sneak peek inside the Teen Titans Academy, uh, get a little bit more dirt on these new characters and discover the, who they are. And if you'll notice on both covers, the X is being drawn a la Red X style. Uh, something major happened. I don't know if we want to talk about it, because it could be spoilerific, but at the same time, it could be wrong. Uh, so there's a working theory that we might know who Red X is. So what do you think, Mitch? Should we open that up or should we leave it? I think, uh, I think, do you think two minutes is enough time to talk about it or do you need a little bit more? Oh, I can do it less than two. I, I we can definitely, cause I, the shock value is where it's at. All right, go ahead and give me a, uh, give us, let's, let's give them two minutes. You can go ahead and t we can talk about it. You can reveal it and then. Uh, I can react to it, and we'll talk a little bit about it. But two minutes, if you want, want to hear the spoiler, possible spoiler, skip ahead two minutes right now. Yep. All right. So the secret identity of Red X could be Billy Batson. What? That's right. He went evil. Right? Billy Batson? How, how does that even work? Billy Batson can't fight. Well, okay, so that's the big curiosity. What's going on with Billy? Um, why? I mean, first off, why is he not calling on the power of Shazam? But if you think about it, some of the stuff, and again, DC's not necessarily as cohesive or linear as it could be, but if we do look at the current state of the DC universe, where is Shazam? So it could work out that maybe Billy has fine-tuned his abilities and for some reason he's going evil or maybe some other new power has offered him abilities in exchange for his hosting. So wait, so that is, is, interesting. is the, the, um, is the Jeff Johns and Eagle Sham book not going anymore? Oh yeah. No, that, that ended, um, <laughs> Yeah, that ended a bit ago. <laughs> okay, it shows you how, how much I've not stayed up to date, even though we do this every week. Uh, yeah. So, what happened at the end of that book? Is he is he not around? Is is so? 
It was just pretty much. Good. It was just kind of one of those, uh, like I, I guess, and and it even kind of like uh, something happened in DC Comics, um, because it was like I think it's basically an eight parter. But if you sit down and read it, it's like one, two, three, four, five, six, and then jump to issues nine and ten because they had like some filler or something like that. Mm. But basically, they let Jeff Johns come in. Uh, he creates the seven magical lands of wonder and reunites Billy with his dad. And his dad basically acts like his mom from the movie. So that's the deadbeat parent. So mm. either way, Billy's just doomed to having horrible parents, uh, which is a bummer because the Batsons used to be respectable, but in this new era of comics, we have to have douchiness. Um, so yeah, that's what happens there. So maybe some of that douchiness is rubbing off on Billy, and that's why he's like, hey, dude, I gotta be evil. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So... Mephesto from Marvel is now the new Red X. Got it. Cool. Yep. You heard it here first. <laughs> all right. Uh, going forward? Yeah, going forward. All right. So now to uh, collected editions. So if you'd like to see the adventures of the next Batman, it will all be collected in Batman by John Ridley, the deluxe edition hardcover. So if you want to get the shakedown on Mr. Fox's son, uh, who, who he is and how he came to be Batman, his origins start here. Uh, Batman White Knight Presents Harley Quinn will be collected in a hardcover edition. So if you are enjoying the world that Sheen Murphy has created, definitely check it out. Uh, this is a huge book for me that I'm going to be excited for. Flash by Mark Wade, book eight. Uh, this is the tail end of Mark Wade's adventures on the Flash books. So this was when they created the dark flash uh i just remember this character showing up after the events of chain lightning uh it was a big mystery who is he you know it's definitely a, a bloody shade of crimson draped in some silver with the blue tail ends and it was like oh this is cool i had it in my mind that it was going to be barry allen i thought hey you know maybe this is going to be the big part you know because i don't think yeah how was back as uh, Spectre, I believe. So it was kind of like, okay, maybe they're finding ways to bring these Silver Age characters back. Um, but nope, it, it turns out that the the uh, Dark Flash is a alternate verse version of Wally West. Uh, so he's a little bit meaner and whatnot. He was but he Walter, did make his right? appearances. Go ahead. He was Walter West, right? Yes, yeah. So that's how you know he's eviler. He's got the adult version of his name. <laughs> no goatees, though, but adult version of name. Um, so if Mitchell ever comes around, I know, I know something's a foul here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no. But this is just a great one. Uh, it and it wrapped up all the adventures of Mark Wade. Uh, and this is a fond era because it was the Flash family. So a lot of great stuff there. So I think it's money well spent if you collect the Flash by Mark Wade series of trades. They're beautiful. Um, but definitely do some shopping because they are going to be pretty pricey. And some of them might even be out of print. But definitely Volume 7 and 8, you will not regret that purchase. Uh, Future State Superman will be getting a trade paperback collected edition. Uh, so this sets the tone for what the Superbooks could be becoming under the pen of Philip Kennedy Smith. And if you want some uh, fun adventures of Johnny Constantine, then definitely check out the mystery of the meanest teacher and then get ready for suicide casualties of war. This is going to be a reprint collection of some 
80s, 90s era uh, adventures by Keith Giffen of the Suicide Squad. Wait. So the majority of your movie characters will not be there. Who's the, who's, <laughs> Go ahead. What, what, what issues are, is in that trade? Because I, I think I have that cover. Let's see here. So this takes us back to the Suicide Squad 2001 series issues 1 through 12. So this is the aftermath of Worlds at War. So Sergeant Rock is going to be their lead. Uh, so he winds up getting a team of Deadshot, Killer Frost, Major Disaster, Reactron, and Black Star to come along and help save the planet as we know it. Yeah, this is the this is the 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 run that I started. I found out about the Suicide Squad. I started collecting the Suicide Squad with uh, Sergeant Rock as their. Uh, leader instead of Amanda Waller and at the end of it and we've talked about this a few times like when they had to the the issue the the run the volume was being canceled um uh, Sergeant Rock pulls off a mask and and walks away from the wheelchair that he's in and you never they never revealed who it was that was supposed to be in the mask so I always wondered who that was I I should actually talk see if I can talk to Keith Giffen there you go, because that's a that's a heck of a cliffhanger to leave. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a very Kevin Smith issue. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's see. Let's move on over to Wednesday, where the House of Ideas will be dropping all their brand new product on us. So this Wednesday, you can get forward to uh, Better Ray Bill issue four. So I've been hearing great stuff there, and definitely, uh, which is fantastic, because I'm pretty sure he's going to be showing up in the mcu pretty soon here um if you like the word infinite or infinity then get ready because black cat annual number one huh interesting both the cat persona ladies are having annuals this week Look i love that, that. Uh, but uh black cat annual one will be out which starts the infinite destinies actually it doesn't start it i think this might even be the tail end of it but it's going to be a tie-in for sure so if you want to see what's happening with the infinity stones and the people then definitely check that out. Uh, quite a few variant covers to choose from, four of them at least. Uh, Black Knight Curse of the Ebony Blade number four will be out, so we know the Black Knight is coming in Eternals, so get ready to see the new history, legacy, and stylings of the Black Knight. Uh, since we are talking Black Widow, perfect, because Black Widow issue eight will be out, uh, and this is written by Kelly Thompson, and she has been doing a wonderful job, so um, I would highly recommend jump on this series because there's been nothing but great things featured. Cable number 11 will be out this week as well. Uh, the final adventures of Wi-Fi are happening, Ooh. so if you want to pick it up and see what's going to happen there, definitely check it out. Uh, this is a book that I want to share a little bit of moment with. Uh, Daredevil issue 31 will be out this week, so Marvel has specifically asked for this one to be released early for a review. Um, so I was very happy to, to write that one up. Um, I'll tell you now, there's not major spoilers in the book. It's definitely a lot of setup. Uh, the new characters of Butch and M uh, Mike Murdoch will be forming their coop against the uh, Kingpin, but it's not Wilson Fisk. Um, a certain character has escaped their uh, asylum bit. And then, of course, we continue the adventures of Matt Murdock in prison with his Daredevil jumpsuit and Elektra as the Daredevil of Hell's Kitchen. Um, 
but I just love this cover by Mike or by Marco Cicetero. Uh We basically see the angel of death walking away from a pool of blood, holding the two masks with blood dripping down them. Uh, this is lockdown part one. I think it's only going to be a two issue arc. So I would definitely say pick this up because I have a strong feeling issue 32 is going to be like a sigh through the heart, so to say. Uh, uh. <laughs> So, yeah, some major, major stuff there. Uh, and, again, I enjoy the issue, but I know I have quite a bias. But I don't think you're going to be missing out if you buy some Daredevil. Uh, let's see. Moving along, Eternals issue 5 will be out, continuing the new stylings of the Eternals, getting you ready for the upcoming movie. Uh, Giant Size, Amazing Spider-Man, Cla- Chameleon Conspiracy number 1 will be out. So Nick Spencer is coming to an end on his Spider-Man run, which actually um, – I don't know if you saw some of that on Twitter, Mitch. Did you see any of the uh, upcoming teasers for the post-Spencer era of Spider-Man? I did not. Oh, okay. Well, if you're fine with it, I'll do a quick blurb. So, um, basically, Nick Spencer will be ending his run on Amazing Spider-Man issue 74, which will have the legacy number of 875, I believe. Um, Then, next issue, which will be Amazing Spider-Man number 75 for this volume will start the, uh, I guess, the Beyond era, or as I like to call it, the Ben New Day. Mm. Uh, ben Riley is coming back to Spider-Man. I did hear and about that. And not just the series. Yeah, so he's going to be, uh, he's going to, well, at least from the teasers that we're seeing. So we've seen one of a very beat up, bloodied Peter Parker on the ground with uh, Mary Jane kissing him. Uh, kind of mimicking their spider kiss. Now, of course, there is a gold band on the uh, ring finger, but it's on the right hand. So maybe that's an engagement ring. I don't know. So a lot has been teased there. Will there be a wedding? Will there be an engagement? Will there be a death? Uh, But there for sure is a return because we've seen an unmasked Ben Riley, and we've seen a... um, a new spider suit that very much looks like the Ben Riley suit, but instead of the spider being centered, it looks like it's more shifted over to the heart. So that'll be interesting. Uh, and I was even doing a little bit of research and this beyond corporation has made appearances in comics and they actually have kind of uh, dealt with Spider-Man, but their thing is they're all about warping reality. So this could be interesting to see. Uh, and I also, I saw that they are going to be putting Amazing Spider-Man back to a publication of three times a month. So I think we are going to be getting ready to live up to Amazing Spider-Man 1000 pretty soon here. Ooh, okay. Yeah, a lot of crazy stuff there. Uh, Let's see, moving along. uh, In case you missed out, Marvel Voices Pride, they will be late shipping the America Chavez cover. So if you want to add that to your collection, that is there too. Shang-Chi number two will be out and we'll be having him go up against Captain America. So that'll be interesting. Uh, I'm very curious to see what's going to be happening over there in his book. Uh, Then we have quite a few star. Now, I know that Stanley himself has said, uh, who's going to win in a fight? It's it's whoever the writer decides. Like, it's always going to (laughs) be, there's no set precedent. But is there a better fighter than the master of martial arts in the the MCU? In your opinion? In my opinion. Okay, well, that's tough. Because honestly, like... uh, So, I guess the trick is... And I don't know much about about Chi. I don't know if he... Like, would he kill? That's a big question. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know enough about the character either. Uh, I would say no, because we like to keep our okay. heroes that way. Yeah, so I'm thinking, and this is going to be a twist, but I'm thinking if we're just keeping it like street level heroes, you know, no, like obviously Thor could beat a bat, you know, because he's a god of thunder and all these fun things. But I mean, if we're keeping it street level, honestly, I, I go Electra, and the only reason is is Electra will kill. Okay, so she's interesting. Not going to be the one who's like, you know, because like yes, we always see her go up against Matt, and Matt usually walks away, but that's because they're not going to kill Matt in his own book. But I mean, if we're talking, you know, real real feats here, yeah, I'm thinking Electra is going to be able to be like, hey, you want to pull that punch? That's your problem, not mine. <laughs> Fair. But yeah, but no, it will be interesting uh, because, as you've said, and you're right, it, it always comes down to the uh, to the writer. So Gene Lunyang is going to have quite a problem here because I know he likes both characters. So it's going to be very interesting to see, like, here's two of your favorites and, uh-oh, what are you going to do? You know, who do you pick? <laughs> um, but I am very happy to see Dyke Ruan uh, make it to the big leagues. Uh, I was following him on Facebook. Uh, he does beautiful art. And now he's an artist for Marvel Comics. So it's so cool to see him go from that level of fandom to now actual employment. So that's pretty cool there. Uh, let's see. Then we will still be having the Marvels. So if you want to get some flashback tales, definitely check this book out. Uh, the cover has me intrigued because I'm not necessarily worried about the center action. I'm more looking at the side action where we see what looks to be, I'm thinking, I want to say it's Captain America, but that star is a little too red. So I'm thinking it might be Red Guardian. Ooh. But on the flip side there, we have uh, Bucky, the Winter Soldier. So I will be very curious to see what they're going to be doing there. That would be kind of a cool moment to have Red Guardian and uh, and Winter Soldier team up. Kind of a play on Bucky and Cap. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't see why they wouldn't do something like that. It makes it makes the most sense. They're they're both Russian agents. Yeah, so uh, I think that just made it to my quick read list. <laughs> uh, let's see. The United States of Captain America number one will be out. Uh, this is in celebration of Captain America's 80th anniversary, um, but it is coming late. Yes, we, we, we know the math on that one. Uh, <laughs> but anyways, they're going to be doing some uh, travels across America where we meet new people. So, And as I mentioned last week, uh, Aaron Fisher, the Captain America of the Railways, made an appearance in the Pride book. But will that be constituted as his first appearance or will it be United States of Captain America number one, which should have been his actual first appearance? Uh, so it's going to be a tough one, but definitely go out there. There's quite a few variants. So if you're looking for that first appearance of a brand new character, that's always a good way to hunt for them. Uh, X Factor number four, or sorry, X Factor number 10 will be out. Uh, this is definitely part of the Hellfire Gala. So if you want to get some of those adventures continuing on, check that out. Uh, and now for the collected editions, we have Avengers by Jason Aaron, Volume 8, Enter the Phoenix. So this is the last big story before the Heroes Reborn arc. So here the big spoiler is Echo becomes the new host for the Phoenix. So it'll be very interesting to see how she uses her abilities in the next arc and beyond. Uh, King and Black will be collected in trade paperback. So the god of the symbiotes, Noel, has come to the Marvel Universe planet Earth as we know it and attacked. Uh, it's actually a fun story. Uh, if you have you know, your own son, I think this is going to hit you in the fields a little bit harder as we see Eddie and his son uh, try to survive and deal with what they've got. So pretty wild stuff there. 
If you are enjoying Modoc over on Hulu, then definitely pick up the Modoc Head Games as Jordan Bloom will be writing some comic book adventures there. So if you want to get even more Modocness in your life, that's the way to go. Uh, the Age of Apocalypse will be having a companion omnibus. So if you want to get even more of the crossover issues, that will be out there as well. Uh, that was something. Was that a comic? Did you make it in time for that one, Mitch? Like when you were starting off as a fan, did you do anything with the age of apocalypse or was that kind of something that came to you well after the fact? Well, after the fact, yeah, I didn't, I, I might've been reading comics at that point, but I was not collecting X-Men comics. So I, yeah, I did not read that when it came out. Yeah, I think that I do remember I was excited. I got the collector's preview because that I could afford. Uh, so my only introduction was an interview book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, folks, that's your spinner rack. So shop wisely. All right. That's a big spinner rack. Then let's break down the trailer for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Uh, I mean, the big one. Come on, the abomination <laughs> is coming back. Can you believe that? Yeah, that is like, I, I mean, we've we've wanted it to happen. You know, I mean, he's a good villain. Um, what does that mean for? Is it Tim or Eli Roth? I forget which it's one. Tim, but, Tim Roth. You know, so is is Tim coming back to the MCU? You know, that could be very interesting. Um, you know, what's going to be the future of that character? And obviously, you know. It, that's recognition to the Incredible Hulk film, which kind of feels like the forgotten film of the MCU, but it's not so forgotten now. Very true. Plus, they're kind of going more with a comic book accurate look of of the character with the whole fins on the side of his head and uh, the spikes down his back. Like, I don't remember if he had spikes down his back in the, in the Incredible Hulk or not, but I know they were doing a lot more of the bone intrusions instead of uh, fish-like look. Or amphibian-like look. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely so. And, you know, honestly, I didn't catch that until you start bringing it up. And, wow, I, I'm that much happier for it. So thank you for pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and it looks like he is involved in some type of uh, MCU fight club or fight ring or underground fight uh, scene. And he's fighting against maybe Wong from the Doctor Strange movies. Yeah, that's interesting. So that's what everybody keeps going towards. I mean, I I'm, I'm gonna be I gotta be a naysayer, I guess. I don't think it's Wong because I mean the guy is like, I mean unless this is how he earns his money for sandwiches, <laughs> he seemed very peaceful. You know, like he does not seem like a guy who's actively seeking conflict. You know, so this is, I mean I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a side to Wong we don't know about. But <laughs> this is true. Uh, I would say that at some point during the blip maybe things changed for him like you know uh, Ooh, dr okay. strange left there was no uh um stones for him to to guard anymore so uh, who knows what 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 was changed for him in, in that time now that's a that's an interesting question and honestly now that makes me think about something will this movie will it take place post endgame or we start seeing heroes rise in that five-year absence. That's could a, he be one of the heroes? That's a good question. That's a very good question. I'm, I'm excited to see this movie when it, when it finally comes out in September, I believe. Uh, 
we saw more of young Shang-Chi being trained by his father and his father's disciples. Uh, somewhat of a, 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 looks like a very similar scene to what we see in, in Black Widow trailers for the Red Room, um, where he's in a, a room, a classroom like setting with a bunch of other people being trained. Uh, definitely uh, the death dealer. I don't know much about this character in the comic books, but uh, looks like a deadly foe if, if to say the least. So uh, there's going to be a lot of that character showing up. They, they aren't, they don't shy away from using tech. They, the father, you know, has given Shang-Chi his uh, 10 years to live out his life and, you know, maybe he hasn't spent it the way that he thought he should. Uh, also, I thought what was very interesting is there's one part where Shang-Chi and his friends are standing there, you know, with Razorback or not Razorback, Razor Fist, who we see earlier him fighting with on the bus. So what does that mean? Is are, They're not in a fighting stance that like people are bowing to him. So I don't know if they, that Razor Fist is, is a, has brought, Shang-Chi back to uh, his father's temple and this is everybody just paying respects or what? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go from uh, one end of the fight mode to now something different or, you know, could it be Ruse? You know, that'll be very interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, The Ten Rings. So the Ten Rings has a very interesting um, history at this point now. Uh, we know the Ten Rings from the comic books and early 90s Iron Man uh, cartoons of how it's the Mandarin wears the rings on his fingers and each one can, does a, like a different thing for him in controlling matter or time or whatever, right? It's a very mystical force, yeah. just like the Infinity Stones. This time around, it's more like the the ringed rings that the a, a person wears around their wrist and forearm in a very particular type of uh, wushu martial arts, I believe, that uh, allows them to either use them as defensive weapons or offensive weapons. Um, we also see that it's going to be used in a mystical way where it floats off of their hands in the in the preview in the trailer. Uh, when we are first introduced to the Ten Rings in the MCU, it's more of just a symbol. It's supposed to be ten different tribes of people that came together to overthrow or uh, rule a certain area, uh, as we saw in Iron Man 1. So what do you think of this new change in blending the two things together? It's an interesting... uh zig or zag um i like it like i mean i i definitely you know like growing up you know i was like okay yeah the mandarin and i always remember that part of the cartoon like season one you know he's got his rings and he attacks iron man and then the explosion happens and that, that was the fun of season two was seeing the mandarin on the quest to gather the rings um so I like the character's journey but i also understand in in modern audiences you know that some people are not you know, that, that, that character is not very culturally sensitive. Um, so when they teased it in Iron Man, I was, you know, I was excited. Uh, but then it never kind of came to fruition. Here, I think I like this more because I think it can still 
keep story but also add to it and that's what i love like when you can take something that exists and add to it i think that's great so it'll be very interesting to see how these 10 rings will be incorporated into uh shang chi's story maybe even his history because i'll be honest with you i don't know much about the character's story and history uh, i've only read them in a couple of guest appearances but it'll be very interesting to see okay you know is he like are we going to stay true to comics or are we going to do kind of like an internal thing where it's like hey here's a, a clean slate sort of so let's let's put in there and see what we can get but it'll be interesting i mean this the second trailer definitely hyped up my appetite for it same same. I I, it, I also feel like it might have gave away a little bit too much, and I feel like they have to do that because too many people don't know what Shang Chi is about. So you have to entice him. I think the last yeah. Big- no, this is no. Go ahead. This is going to be a hard sell phase because we're bringing in our Marvels bringing in new concepts. Uh, and even for fans like us, you know, I, I'd say we're definitely you know strong, well versed fans, and you know. Shang and the internals are very new, you know, yes. so it's going to be, you know, like we're obviously going to go into it because of the greater Marvel story and also our love for cinema. But some people, you know, might just be like, Hey, maybe this is, you know, maybe this is like how we as fans have said that, like, Oh, they're, they're changing the writer and artist. Maybe it's time to leave the book, you know? So, you know, maybe they don't want to bring that style of thinking to the movies now. <laughs> Uh, I think the last big uh, reveal for those who don't know about the toys, uh, we saw the Great Protector, which uh, Chris and I are maybe coming to the conclusion that it is a new name for an old Marvel villain, uh, Fing Fang Foom, the dragon, alien dragon, because as Marvel has declared, all dragons are from an alien planet just like lockheed right yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> so uh what do you think of the introduction of fing fang foom or the great protector into this movie you know it's wild because even like i've known about fin fang foom for a long time um he's an atlas era character and I've never really had a place for him. I'm just kind of like, this is ridiculous. You know, like if I want Godzilla, I'm going to go to Godzilla. I don't need the, uh, the, the Kmart knockoff, you know, but there is something to it. You know, I mean, Groot is an Atlas era character. He predates the fantastic four and look how popular Groot became. Those three words stole our heart. <laughs> so yeah, you know, all right. Fin Fang Foom, it, it can be culturally insensitive so the great protector you know could be the way to go um will it be the character i mean i guess at this point i'm just like hey if you're gonna open up the catalog and give me wild stuff sure let's do it i want to see it so if we see him underwater in that bit i can't wait to see what happens when we get out of the water and i'm just looking forward to seeing this massive dragon stand before characters so that's going to be something let me ask you this is the dragon that iron fist has to punch the how the heart out of is that also an alien or is that something else Ooh, that's tough because like i i think the memo is but i don't think everybody follows the memo of like oh okay dragons are actually secretly aliens because i i think they still want to hold to the idea that while you do have science fiction and you do have mysticism 
we want them to intersect but not be wholly wrapped. So I think in the movies it makes sense to have mysticism fall in line with the science fiction. But I think in the comics they still want to keep it like not so much. But Avengers versus X-Men kind of did lead us to the idea that, oh, well, the Phoenix, which comes from space, mixed in with the uh, Iron <laughs> Fist dragon lore. So therefore, the dragon must also come from space. I, uh, It kind of goes back to to steal your line from earlier. It's really up to the writer's <laughs> choice, like if they want to win that battle or not. So <laughs> if you have eight issues, then yes, it's from space. If you have six or less, no, it's from Earth. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm in. Uh, that's, that's all I have to say. All right, Chris. Let's talk about Natasha Romanoff uh, or Natasha Romanova. Romanova. Uh, when is her first appearance? All right. So the great black widow comes to us and tales of suspense issue 52 harking all the way back from January of 1964. Creator. Uh, she is created by the group of Stanley, Don Rico, and Don Heck. All right. So tell me a little bit about Don Rico and Don Heck. Ooh. Well, I know I've heard Don Heck's name. Um, I believe he is a artist of Marvel Comics, uh, definitely part of the Atlas era and Marvel eras of comic books. Uh, let's see here if I can try to pull up some of his big work. Let's see. Um, he actually, okay. So he did some golden age work. Uh, he did some stuff for quality comics, which would later fold on into DC comics. Uh, he did some work for Toby press, which would then be folded into Charlton, which would also still be folded into, uh, DC comics as well. Uh, he did some work on comic book titles of the 50s era danger death valley horrific war fury and weird terror uh he also has um some kind of tie into tv stuff uh he would do some work on captain gallant of the foreign legion which was based on the nbc tv program with starring buster crab uh let's see he winds up teaming up with stan lee to work on Journey into Mystery, Strange Tales, Tales of Suspense, and Tales to Astonish. Uh, again, part of the big Atlas era. When things finally are solidified into um, Marvel comics, he is going to be known as Dandy Don because uh, Stan loved to give everybody nicknames. Uh, so he would basically do a lot of work on Thor and Giant Man. Um, he was part of the team that helped create Iron Man. Uh, again, his work on Tales of Suspense, so definitely that puts him there as well. Uh, so he got to put some ideas into that. And then he just basically kind of just does some housework in between comics. So Amazing Spider-Man, X-Men, he's popped up in those issues, done some work there. Uh, about 79 now, he is more exclusively for DC Comics. And that's about it. So... Uh, you can see his work on Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man issues 57 through 66. Uh, he's done some work on the Avengers, uh, some Captain Marvel. So Captain Marvel would definitely take us there. Uh, 
champions number one, which will actually be very important later in this segment. Uh, some work on Daredevil, a couple of issues of Ghost Rider, and then he got brought back in for some giant size uh, stories that took place in the Marvel comics. So in your so best big tour of work there. Oh, and then Don Rico, uh, who went by a few different names, uh, Dan Rico, Donella, St. Michael's, Donna Richards. I don't know why he went. Okay. Uh, Joseph Milton and, and Coroco or Korok, uh, also worked on a few things. It looks like worked over at, uh, Atlas comics. Well, which is Marvel comics jungle action. Number two. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, tales of suspense <laughs> and, uh, died in 2007. Uh, Inkpot award in 1976, the comic con in and uh, I want you to, in your best uh, Stanley impression, because we love your Stanley impression here, uh, go and, and talk to the two Dons and ask them to create uh, a new character by the name of Black Widow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, let me see if I can channel my, my inner Stan here. Uh, I can just see him walking into a room, and just so happens, dance. All right, Don. Here's what I need from you. I uh, we 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 need a we need a uh, a beautiful, lustful female, a uh, femme fatale, and uh, to keep it all consistent and straight, she's she has to have uh, red hair, but but not quite yet, folks. Okay. Uh, I've started to like some of this fishnet stuff. Want some of that to happen? So we're 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 in a cold war here, boys. So I I need you to do something. All right. So just just give me your best uh, uh, Russian agent that's gonna come over. And, and, and try to seduce our, our, our playboy Iron Man. That's what's going to happen. And then as he walks out of the room, the two Dons look at each other and say, was he talking to you or me? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how I saw it happening, too. <laughs> it's like, uh, he doesn't know that we're both named Don, does he? And the two of them ended <laughs> up just having to work together and creating a, a, a Natasha Romanoff um, Black Widow. So Tell me about Tales of Suspense. This is issue 52 when they create Black Widow. What did we get in the first 51 issues? So a vast majority of it was just monsters and crazy science fiction stuff. Uh, the book doesn't really take off until issue 39 when we get the first appearance of Iron Man. Um, so the book back then, I don't know if you remember this TV show growing up, um, and I just lost the title, but it was kind of like a Twilight Zone the outer type limits? of anthology series, um, weird adventures or something like that. Uh, I just remember Christopher Lloyd played a professor in one, and they were either just amazing. Oh, amazing stories! Oh, okay, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, so there's a TV show, Amazing Stories, and that's that was the big thing at the time because a lot of the comic book companies knew nobody's collecting. You know, people are just going to come in and read something and grab it. And the mail would come in typically later. So the formula DC was doing was they would put it out there. And then when they would get the mail back about six months later, then they'd try like two or three more appearances and see what would happen. And then if the mail came in strong enough, then we would give the, f the feature its own story. Uh, by the time they got to Green Lantern, they decided to say, let's just do the three issues and see what happens. It's not going to hurt us. Uh, so Marvel kind of took that idea as well. And so that's why if we look at the greats as they appear, 
you know, Fantastic Four appear in their own book. And it just, you know, home run, first try, not bad. Uh, but a lot of the other characters, uh, Hulk gets his own book, but Iron Man appears in Tales of Suspense. Thor appears in Journey into Mystery. Spider-Man in Amazing Fantasy. And that was just kind of a throwaway appearance. Like, oh, it's not going to happen. I want to do it, so I'm doing it. Um, so yeah, so the, the tales to astonish or sorry, tells of suspense, that's going to be your, your spy book. Basically, uh, the others would be, you know, weird phenomena from space or our earth itself, but tales of suspense. Yep. That's your cold war book. Hence why Tony Stark is a munitions manufacturer for America. And, you know, most of his villains are, you know, Cold War thugs or, you know, people who are trying to sabotage the American war machine. <laughs> uh, and very much uh, the Russians and the Red Scare that we had going on. So uh, some of the notable abilities that Natasha has. Uh, expert spy, tactician, hand-to-hand combat, slow aging and enhanced immune, immune system. Now, is that part of that, um, what is it called, the infinity formula? Is, is that why she has that uh, longevity? So they attribute that. So when she, not necessarily her first appearance, but later on as the character starts growing and gaining a a, a background, uh, yeah, they they come up with their own Russian super soldier serum. And so when they're practicing, then they're experimenting on people in the Red Room. uh, That's how Natasha winds up getting her abilities. So I forget exactly what it's called, um, but that serum is basically what gives her enhanced performance, physical strength, and then the other biological modifications to her as well. Uh, so infinity formula. I don't believe she's ever taken that one. Okay. Uh, expert marksman and mastery of various weapons, skilled the hypnotist, which I didn't know about that one, but makes a lot of sense for a femme fatale, uh, and equipment via gauntlets. So grappling hook, knockout gas, taser, explosive, tear gas pellets, and radio transmitter, which uh, we have seen a lot of those in the MCU version with the whole shooting out of her gauntlets, which I always wondered, would that like, would your hands get in the way since your wrist is smaller than your, your palm? Well, if the artist draws it right, sometimes the gauntlets are a little bit wider. So I feel like they... They, they kind of expand that width, but I would love to see them purposely do something like probably the top part of the gauntlet is what should be firing. So if she wants to use that weapon, she should have to adjust the gauntlet to get that part top. So that way she could drop her hand below and not exactly accidentally tase her thumb and be like, <laughs> well, <laughs> there goes that situation. <laughs> Uh, before we started recording, you asked me where was the first that I remember reading Nata- uh, Natasha Romanoff as a character. And unfortunately, my first exposure to her is in the Ultimate Universe. Uh, looking here on Wikipedia, it says that her first debut in the Ultimate Universe was Ultimate Team Up number 5, 15? It's, yeah. Which one was it? Was it... Uh, 14. Um, oh, gosh. Yeah, it, it was... Well, so the Ultimate Team Up book was an interesting... Uh, 
flub, I think is a good word for it, for the Ultimate Marvel Universe. Because <laughs> the Ultimates hadn't been created yet, and that changed a lot of the origins for characters as we knew them. <laughs> no, that's that's completely true. Like you, I think you have uh, Spider-Man teaming up with Iron Man at one point in that book, and then later on they have Ultimate Iron Man, and they change up his origin from the one that they just gave us, and then Ultimates has a, yet a different uh, story for Iron Man. If I remember correctly, and then uh, I think you, that's where you got a lot of the different or you, you, the ultimate team up was where they were like, "Hey, let's see what people think of these characters, and if they want to see them in the ultimate universe." And then they changed them up when they finally got to it because it wasn't too much later when we got the ultimates where we get um, Natasha and that, and, and she's a little bit different there too, if I remember correctly. Yep, exactly. Yeah, the ultimate team up was like, "Hey, you know, we want to see." You know, they, they had a great successful crossover with Ultimate X-Men and Spider-Man. Um, so it was like, all right, let's play with some of the other ones. Uh, some of them did work out, Ultimate Fantastic Four, but they had a book early on. But yeah, if you look at it, because I always remember that in the Ultimate Marvel team-up, when he teams up with Iron Man, it's like, oh yeah, Tom Cruise just played me in the movie. And it's like, ooh, that's going to be a... <laughs> that's going to be something. <laughs> uh, origins were drastically changed, and even then they were rechanged because like you said, we, we see him in Ultimate Marvel team-up. This is for Iron Man. We see him there. He's different. He pops up in the Ultimates. He's different. And then even when they finally did his origin story, I remember they got a famous writer to come over from the science fiction books and write that one. And it was so weird. Cause what was it? It was like Tony as a child had to be painted blue all the time. I don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's good that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then where was your first introduction to uh, Natasha Romanoff, the black widow? So the first time I meet her is daredevil number two. Uh, not, not that long ago, but yes, it was a while back. So, I had a fondness for Daredevil as a kid growing up. Uh, I always have a strong memory of <clears throat> reading Daredevil, The Man Without Fear, his origin retelling by uh, Miller and Ramita Jr. And I remember reading that at Fry's back when grocery stores sold comics. So Daredevil was a character that just kind of stuck with me. Um, I remember when we were getting ready for the big Marvel Knights to happen, and I you know, obviously being limited with, with what comics I could get and stuff like that, I decided to try out. Oh, I decided to go with Daredevil, not try out to go with it. Uh, and this was luckily when Smith, Quesada, and Palmiotti were revamping the book. And I always credit Daredevil Marvel Knights number one as the book that saved Marvel. But, anyways, uh, in this story, everybody in Matt's life kind of comes back just because it's fun to bring characters back. And issue two we get Natasha coming in as a supporting character. And I was like, Oh, okay. You know, like I could definitely sense there was some friction and tension between these two characters. Uh, I thought she was very interesting, but I didn't know much about her. Uh, I had seen her in backgrounds of old issues of Avengers. Uh, I'm more familiar with her gray short hair look or gray costume, short hair look. But this was the first time I actually got to see her, be a full on character, have her own thoughts and, and do worthwhile stuff. So it was kind of, it was very exciting. And I was like, okay, you know, this is, this is uh, interesting to see. Plus, you know, redheads always catch my eye. So that was a huge helping as well. I feel like that's, <laughs> there's that mesmerization again. <laughs> I was gonna say, I feel like that's the same for uh, a lot of your editor in chiefs over at uh, Marvel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after there's only one color fans. <laughs> it's red. <laughs> So after uh, 1964, where do we see 
Black Widow again. All right. So uh, she does have her big debut in Tells of Suspense. Um, we see her play out a lot in these stories. Uh, her first story, actually, uh, she is sent by Russia to go retrieve the Crimson Dynamo. And his secret identity is Professor Ivan Venko, which is interesting because that kind of ties in a little bit to uh, Iron Man too. But anyways, so she goes to retrieve him. Uh, they do manage to steal the armor, but Vanko has deflected from the Russians and willingly sacrifices himself and the Crimson Dynamo to die. So that's how we lose that character very odd. Um, she pops up in issues 52, 53, 57. Uh, issue 57 is a big one. So her third appearance, and this is where we get the first appearance of Hawkeye. So she actually saves Hawkeye because in Hawkeye's first outing as a hero, people confuse him for the villain. So she helps him escape. So then Hawkeye quickly falls in love with her. Uh, unfortunately, there's a moment where they're fighting Iron Man, an explosion happens, and Hawkeye thinks Black Widow dies. So he's just so heartbroken, and he doesn't know what to do. Uh, we finally get Black Widow back in issue 60, and this is where she starts wearing the costume. Uh, prior to that, she was just running around in a dress with a mink. Now we're starting to get a little bit more of the... Uh, very much a black canary kind of ripoff costume. We're getting the fishnets, uh, a pointed mask, and things like that. Uh, finally, she will decide to become a hero, and we see that big turn in Tells of Suspense 64. So now that she's starting to become a hero, uh, they do put her away for a while. So that's 1950, or sorry, that's 1965. So it's about a year later where we see her pop up in the Avengers. Uh, she does a pretty good run in that set of comics. A uh, lot of big moments that we see. Obviously, one that you're going to want to read, fans, if you get a chance, is Avengers 43, where we see the Red Guardian appear. So that's going to start dovetailing back into uh, Natasha's origins to establish more of her as a, as a character. But for the most part, she's going to be bopped around in the background. Uh, a significant appearance will be July of 1970 amazing spider-man issue 86 now if you have a chance i would recommend going on the secondary market and trying to buy this issue because this is the one that's really setting up the black widow as we know her with the gauntlets the black costume the red hair uh things like that all the the makings of the character that we're starting to see starts happening right there uh stan lee is actually the writer of that one so him and john ramita senior uh, craft the Black Widow as we know her. She does so well that she moves over to being one of the features in the Amazing Adventures book. Uh, her next big significant moment will be November of 71 when she goes over to the Daredevil books. Uh, so she joins Daredevil in issue 81 and starts being a significant character there. And I'm trying to see if I can remember which issue... Uh, it becomes Daredevil and Black Widow. And I believe it looks like it's Daredevil issue 92, where she actually does get mentioned in the title. So now it'll be Daredevil and Black Widow. Uh, those two strike up a romance. They're a heroic couple. Things are going great. And I love this. So at this point, she has romanced Hawkeye, and now she's romanced Daredevil. Uh, but we never see any of that 
in the MCU. Like it, it definitely feels like they play her up towards, you know, kind of carrying a torch for cap. Like that was the way to go. No, it's uh, uh the Hulk. She goes for the Hulk in the MCU. Oh, that's true. I totally forgot about that. What was it? The sunset, the sunsets and, and you'll relax or something. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, obviously in the MCU, uh, even when it's in, uh, was it age of Ultron, uh, Avengers Two: age of Ultron, uh, Mark Ruffalo's banner. That's the name banner is talking to Steve Rogers and he's like, wait, what do you mean? You know, like kind of thing. So there's obvious, you know, talks of, of, or allusions to the fact that Steve and, and Natasha were romantically involved at, at least in, in some capacity. And then you have the years when the two of them are on the run after civil war, like, come on, you know, you know, they were finding solace in each other's arms, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> They're having their own giant size team up, <laughs> uh, which is, is is interesting to bring up in the Marvel comics. Natasha is definitely linked to a lot of the different heroes and maybe even villains in uh, in romantic ways, just like Captain America is 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 linked to Captain America and Hawkeye are both linked to a lot of the different heroes and villains in the uh, Marvel comic book universe, so to speak. Yeah, no, they definitely get those connections. And it's funny because I think it's it's kind of like the Nightwing phenomenon. It's that street-level hero is the perfect hero that can meet up with gods and spacemen and, you know, magnificent, marvelous beings. And so they're the ones that are the perfect connections because they can go from Rick Jones and they can go all the way up to the Mighty Thor. You know, they're the ones that can have those intersecting relationships with other characters. And then they also imply in, so what is that that one book where it's the return of Natasha uh, from death in uh, the Marvel Marvel comics uh, where it's uh, Hawkeye and and Winter Soldier together? The fact that the two of them were Winter Soldier and, and Natasha were together. Yes, so I believe that was Tales of Suspense, which obviously was a big throwback to that bit, to the famous title of hers. Uh, so yes, uh, Natasha dies in the uh, Secret, Empire? Secret Empire book. Yep, so when Stevel rises to power, he accidentally kills her. Um, so at this point, both Arn Soldier and Clint Martin Hawkeye are starting to notice crimes that are happening, and they're like, hey... This fits Natasha's M.O., but it can't be Natasha because she's dead. So, of course, they want to investigate because they don't want Natasha's legacy to be tarnished. Uh, so that puts them in the big buddy cop situation. And it's even more hilarious due to the fact that they're both prior lovers of hers. So, of course, there's that little bit of competition where it's like, well, you know, if Natasha was going to choose one of us, she'd clearly choose me, as they're both saying. Uh, but in that story, there's an even more weird twist in the fact that we find out that there's a bunch of Natasha clones. Like, they're just waiting for her to die and then reactivate her. Um, Natasha yeah, and a, Yelena uh, and uh, another another uh, Black Widow that I don't remember the name of. Yeah, so that was a, that was a weird one. I mean, obviously, I, I remember picking that book up just because I wanted to... Um, you know, it had Winter Soldier, so I was like, okay, let's do this. But yeah, uh, what was it? Tells of Suspense 100 through 105, I believe. And so, yeah, we find out all about these clones. Um, some Major helps her out. 
Um, and you know, it was funny because like, and I remember that the big conclusion of that story, she leaves the two letters, one for Hawkeye and one for the winter soldier. And basically for the Hawkeye letter, she's like, well, if you love me, leave me alone. And then for the winter soldier, she's like, Hey, I'm going to go bash some of the uh, Russians. You want to come with? So they team up and I don't know where that necessarily got followed up. I would probably say, um, you're definitely going to want to be checking out one of her series. I'm trying to see because unfortunately Natasha's had a lot of um, series, like uh, volumes of her book. So let's see. It looks like, okay, we're actually going to want to jump up to Web of Black Widow, which is a five-issue miniseries. And that's going to be dealing with the whole Natasha clone saga and her memories. So that's going to help us try to figure out what's going on there. I'm very curious. Why spiders and clones? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Marvel just decided they had a thing there and they're like, we're going to, we're going to corner that market. It doesn't matter that it, people think of it as a giant flub that happened in the nineties. We're going to just keep doing it because we got miles clones too. Now. Miles going through Miles is going through his own. So, gosh, I mean, if it was a sheep character, that would make sense. You know? <laughs> I, I don't know, but yeah. So anyway, so that's going to be part of it. Um, I want to say even Mark Wade and um, Chris Samney they did a volume of Black Widow that is worth your time. But I can't. I don't know what volume it is, so I'll uh, I'll have you share something about Black Widow while I do a little bit of research here. Then, <laughs> uh, so what I I mean, I I don't have much in the way of history of Black Widow, and I think it is very interesting that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that the character obviously became more forefront in Marvel Comics once again, uh, at least to a regular standpoint uh, after after her appearance in Avengers: The Movie 2012. Yeah, 2012. Uh, I feel like she's involved a lot more, like eventually when you get to the point where she is training the champions uh, in a Red Room-like area or Red Room-like scenario. And, uh, that, and that's during the Secret Empire. And she that's when she gets killed and is, sets forth uh, the other champions to realize that this is a serious thing. Um I, I just I, I find it interesting that this is a character that they've really latched onto with uh, the past that she's had, which Marvel does the best at, right? Like making it so that a character that is villainous or at points villainous in their in their past becoming a, a hero uh, it happens often. So Natasha is definitely a a, a major shield agent now. Yeah, no, you're right in that regard. Uh, they did a good job of, she didn't have a very cohesive past, but I think that blank slate helps to kind of fill in the gaps. And Marvel's been great at that. Yeah, taking the villain and then having them rise up to being a hero, which is very much the case of the Black Widow. Um, here we go. So I got lucky. It would be the 2016 seventh series of Black Widow. And this is by Chris Samney and Mark Wade. And that definitely plays with, you know, who is the Black Widow? 
Shield's most wanted. And as you just mentioned, you know, she's a big Shield agent. So it's like, wait a second, what? You know, how is this going to work out? Uh, but this one definitely plays towards her origins, uh, the Red Room, and then also with her modern dilemma of the clones. How does that all connect back to Natasha? And then it nicely ends with a uh, reun reunion of her and. Bucky Barnes, because actually that's something I forgot uh, when Bucky got his own series. So he grew to fame in the comics first before the movies, uh, when they did his big run in the Captain America volume, volume five, uh, then he graduated towards his own death. And then that led to him getting his own comic book series. And uh, that was by Ed Brubaker. So the, 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 the Winter Soldier Volume 1 by Ed Brubaker. Um, there's an arc in there where Black Widow gets kidnapped by one of the other potential Winter Soldiers, and he's basically going to take her away from Bucky by brainwashing her. And, of course, it comes down to, well, the only way you can save her is by allowing her to live, but she has to forget you. So Bucky realizes that he'd rather her be alive than not have her at all. So they save her, but she is not aware of the Winter Soldier part past of her life, uh, which again is newer stuff, you know, post 2000s retconning uh, into her past. Um, so, but that gets wrapped up there. So definitely pick up volume seven. Uh, this was an interesting find and I almost forgot about this. So, and this could be a hot story to pick up. Uh, Black Widow issues 19 and 20 of volume six. So this is something that I like that we don't often get to see the end of a character. So this was part of the secret wars last days. So if you want to read the quote unquote last days of the black widow, those two issues would be interesting to pick up just to see how does Natasha deal with all that red in her ledger? How does she, you know, decide what cases she wants to wrap up and what she feels needs to get done before it's the end. So that's definitely a fun one to pick up. Uh, which uh, <laughs> I, I also wanted to bring up the fact that uh, and the fact that in, I guess, the earlier history of her character, um, they had her her and Alexei Shostakov, Shostakov uh, is who the Red Guardian is, were a married couple. And uh, in the movie that's going to be coming out, we know David Harbour is playing that character as a somewhat adopted father for her, which is not the first time that they've made that kind of change in uh, comic book movies. Uh, <laughs> and most recently, we saw an Aquaman. Uh, Mira, her, her father in that movie is in the comic books, her husband. Wait, Mira... From Aquaman? Has, she has a husband in the movie? No, she has a husband in the comic books before Arthur. The one that she's like betrothed to or something like that. It's the same character as her father in the movie. Oh, no kidding. I missed that. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was it? What's the famous one? The Jean Grey Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I thought that was an interesting change that they're going to be making for uh, the movie, which I believe... What's her name? Um, Rachel Weiss in that movie is also playing someone by the name of... Is it? Is she the Iron Maiden? 
Yeah, that's going to be interesting because she's a big actress. She's a big name. And so I'm very curious. She's going to be in this Marvel film, but we have yet to be told who she is. So that's going to be quite a character revelation, I feel. How many volumes of uh, of a Black Widow book have there been, do you know? So, and this is tough because if we just go with it being the title Black Widow, then we are at nine series. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah, so it's uh, there's going to be some Marvel math for you. Uh, the first one comes at us. Uh, back in 1999, that's when she got her first series. But again, that falls under the Marvel Knights, which is also a very strongly recommended series. Uh, but we do get other books of hers, you know, Dare, our Black Widow, Deadly Origin, Forever Red, um, the the Web of Black Widow, um, Widow's Sting, and, and things like that. So even though we have all those volumes, there's also a lot of crossover to other title books. So if you are very interested, um, I would recommend this website. It's called the complete Marvel reading order. And in it, you can look up characters and this site is so well maintained that you could actually see black widow, all of her adventures, um, all 1,052 of her appearances in actual release order. So if you're curious, like, hey, I want to read Black Widow from day one, or I want to read about her from when I was born, you could definitely set the list to that order to check it out. Um, a list I would like to share with you, um, this one comes from goodcomicstoread.com and they've given us a nice list of stories to read before the movie comes out so I guess I'm, I'm going to bounce some of these off of you Mitch and see if you read them if there's any connections uh, so obviously the first book you should read is Tales of Suspense issue 52 her first appearance uh, I read that just the other night it was it was it very much reads like a, a Silver Age Cold War book. Uh, have you dabbled your toe in that pool yet, Mitch, or uh, no? <laughs> I have not, but I did I did like the fact that you brought this up earlier, that it, the book involves the Crimson Dynamo, Professor Vanko, who, we, uh, is, who they kind of changed into for, what was it, Whiplash and uh, Crimson Dynamo combined for Iron Man 2, which is where we get our introduction to... Uh, Natalie Rushman or Natasha Romanoff in the MCU. Yeah, and that is a nice little bit of dovetailed history. Uh, don't forget Bird. Where is Bird? Where is Bird? That classic moment. <laughs> <laughs> Why must you have person? Be be puppet. <laughs> uh, let's see. So that's a fun one. So there you go, Mitch. You've got some homework. And same for you, fans. You should definitely check out her first appearance. It's actually pretty good. It does hold up nicely. Uh, next up, they recommend reading Champions issues 1 through 17. And that's a very strong uh, set of comics because in there, she actually will be taking on quite a bit of a, of a leadership role. Um, she is being paired up with Iceman and Angel from the X-Men, Ghost Rider, and Hercules. And I didn't know this until recently, but there was also a little bit of a relationship there uh, between her and Hercules. She definitely had something for him. I don't know if he definitely returned those feelings or not, but they definitely played up there. Now, see, I did not know uh, that. I did not know that Champions was a legacy book. Like, that was a title that they used before. I, I, I assumed with the new Champions book that they were just pulling that from Contest of Champions. 
Oh yeah, no, no. Champions was a was its own thing in 1975. Uh, it was just basically Tony Isabella was was doing great on Ghost Rider, and it was like, all right, let me see what else I can do, and formed his own team. And then yeah, the the, the kids are the ones that continued on the title to to make it a legacy. What an interesting team too: Angel, Iceman, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, and Hercules. Like, okay, sure, right. why not? <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah well that's what it is it's it's the me it's the missing pieces of marvel like okay these guys aren't on teams yet let's do it <laughs> uh they definitely recommend reading daredevil number 81 so that's what puts her into the world of matthew murdoch and all his craziness uh this one i think actually once we're done i'm gonna go back and read it myself solo adventures number seven featuring hawkeye and black widow uh what's gonna be exciting here is how do these two feel about each other uh clint carried such a torch for natasha but unfortunately she did not return those feelings she felt he was better off without her so this is going to be one of those moments where i think uh bob layton and tom defalco are going to team up to to have it out with those two so i would definitely say look that one up or maybe even buy it before the price value goes up uh this next one on their list is huge because of the cover so it's uncanny x-men issue 268 taking us all the way up to 1990. Uh, we get Black Widow, Captain America, and Wolverine teaming up for the first time again. <laughs> yes. Um, I think this one was a big eye-opener for folks because, like, Captain America, we knew was a Golden Age character. Wolverine was not, and Natasha was not. Um, but all three of these characters have lived in the 1940s. So it's very interesting to see why did they team up, what happened, and then why don't they remember it? So that's definitely on that list of reads. Plus, it's wonderful Jim Lee art, so you can't go wrong there. And it's even Chris Claremont, so that's a, that's a winning formula. Uh, next up, they'll give you Black Widow, Kiss or Kill. So this was a 2010 series. So now we're looking at a comic book that is post-cinematic uh, universe Black Widow. So in this one, um, a senator's son is murdered. So she's got to do her best to solve this international spy thriller and see what's going on. Uh, it definitely plays to the classicness of Black Widow and her strengths while being set in a you know post writing style of the mcu and right yeah, right before she's introduced in iron man 2 yes yeah oh that's true iron man 2 wasn't that long ago yeah uh this is a fun one i remember reading this one so daredevil the widow so this is daredevil volume 2 issues 61 through 66 um this one was great because like it's interesting because natasha comes back to matt's life and she basically starts seducing Matt. And of course, you know, Matt's like, well, you're my former lover. I love you, but this doesn't feel right. You know, and it's a tough one because could you imagine, you know, one of your most passionate exes comes back to you and Hey, how's it going? You know, like that's a very, every, you know, everybody struggle. And so it was kind of interesting to see it. Uh, of course, she's not back there for love. She's back there because she does need his help and it takes them on quite the adventure. Um, and it's beautiful Alex Mavley art. So definitely check that one out. That's a great one. 
Uh, they're number four, and this is one that I plan on rereading pretty soon here. Black Widow Deadly Origin, 2009 to 2010. So again, right before her appearance in the movies. So these are the books where Marvel's basically going to say, okay, this character, they're, they're in the hole. So we know they're coming up soon. Let's establish the origins now before the movies really cement everything. So I would say this definitely needs to be fast-tracked and read before her movie appearance. I mean, uh, was this one that you managed to read, Mitch? I did not. But if you look, I mean, looking at that cover right there, you obviously she's wearing the white outfit that we see is featured in the movie trailer. Uh, and I, I think you're absolutely right. This is probably going to be where they're going to pull a good chunk of the movie from for her origin. Yeah, no, this is definitely a good one. So uh, go pick up those back issues before it's too late. Uh, this was one that caught our eyes. So their number three pick, uh, Black Widow Homecoming, all the way back from 2005. Um, so this one has some Greg Land art. Um, we've get Richard K. Morgan as the writer here. Uh, we get to see what would be the big part of this one. Yeah, what would be the what's the the what's the homecoming? Is it her going back to Russia to take on the Red Room? I think that's what it's definitely kind of implying. So let me see. I'm going to cheat because I I pulled up quite a few lists. Uh, that's the good news, fans. If you are very interested in um, trying to figure out what's going on or trying to find some stuff to read of Wanda, there are a lot of lists out there. Now, the tough part is navigating through a lot of the BS to see what's good. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. All right. So, in this, Tasha is seeking a peaceful, violent past as a deadly assassin. In Homecoming, Black Widow gets roped back into her role as an elite spy as she must track down a series of murderers. Um this all leads to Natasha back to Russia where once again, she must confront her home and her past as she tries to move on her new world collides with her past life in this thrilling story. Um, so yeah, so basically, you know, the film does involve Natasha going back. So this might even be another story where they're going to pull back to this forgotten era of Natasha's life. And let's see, going back to the original list here. Um, then they have black widow, the name of the Rose. Uh, so this one's definitely going to feature some iron man as he's thrown up there on the cover. It's written by majority Liu. Um, so this one, uh, if you're looking for a good espionage story, then this is definitely the way to do it. Um, we've got Daniel Acuna working on the art. So that definitely sounds like a good win. So if you want to see more of black widows undercoverness, that's definitely the way to go. And then this last one on their list is Black Widow, the itsy bitsy spider coming at us from 1999, Devin Grayson. Um, And this was her Marvel Knights reintroduction uh, because sadly Black Widow during the Heroes Reborn era, the original one, she kind of got stuck on the 616 world and she got stuck with the horrible task of disbanding what was left of the Avengers in order for them to, to help. So she didn't really have a place in things after that. And so luckily the Marvel Knights found a home for her and gave her her story there, there. 
All right. So there are a lot of good stories that you can go and read if you can get them in before uh, the premiere of the movie July 9th. Uh, please do. Uh, if not, return back here because next week we are going to have uh, a 101 or at least our attempt at a 101 for the Red Room, the place where you train all the Black Widows because guess what? Natasha is not the only one. Ooh, that's going to be fun to dive into. <laughs> uh, if you have any opinions on Black Widow or any of the other things we talked about today, please check out or find me on Twitter. I'm at Mitchipedia GEM. GEM stands for Giggly Media. Chris, where can people find you online? Uh, you can definitely find me on Twitter as well. My handle there is stuff I should say should being spelled S-H-U-D. Uh, and then check out geekleetmedia.com and AIPTcomics.com for my writings. The rest of Geekleet Media is at Geekleet Media on Twitter, at Geekleet Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geekleet Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Uh if you're one of our patrons, you'll get a bonus episode of Reimagine If. It is uh, where Chris and I will dive into episode three of Loki this week. So if you want, go to patreon.com slash geeklymedia. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us because it helps spread the word of our network. But until next time, this is Imagine If on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to... Geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast.